0: Hello and welcome to the Build Plate Podcast, where we take a topic close to our hearts, usually 3D printing and video game related, and we share it with you layer by layer. My name is Asher, and my brother Rainer is my co host. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like our podcast, please make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. So, jumping right in, if you've been following us, Uh, We usually start with kind of a cheeky way, and we're kind of usually pretty happy. But we're going to start it a little differently. We've kind of reached a a crossroads here at the podcast. Recently, we've been kind of struggling to find time to produce the content that we really want to put out. And during our discussions, we even talked about retiring the pod. However, Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. However, during our enlightenment and self-awareness, we instead wanted to completely change the podcast altogether.
1: Yeah. So most importantly, we wanted to give you all a deeper dive into things that really excite us and actually learn from each other. Right now, we feel like the content has been subpar and definitely not something that we are proud of. So in this episode and the ones that follow, we are going to do things a little differently. First of all, the brain teaser is going to be retired. Oh no. However, this week we will still tell the answer to last week's as a homage to what we used to be. Mr. and Mrs. Mustard have six daughters, and each daughter has one brother. How many people are in the Mustard family? Well, there are nine Mustards in the family. Since each daughter shares the same brother, there are six girls, one boy, and Mr. and Mrs. Mustard, for a total of nine people. Okay, now that the Brain Teaser is over, the last new thing we are going to try is we will focus on single subjects, and at the most, maybe two subjects per episode. This will allow us to actually talk to each other and get excited to share something with you every other week. We started this podcast to truly connect with each other, and that should be fun and engaging. Yeah. And also, we hope to continue to give you guys stuff that you're excited to listen to.
0: Absolutely. One thing for sure is we want to hear from you continually. Um, And if there's a certain topic that you want us to deep dive on, we're definitely open to it. And we want to to go in on that.
1: With all that out of the way, it's the perfect time to jump into today's topic. So today, I would like to introduce you to a man called Tim... Sweeney, But more importantly, we are going to talk about something that changed the video game industry. And as I discuss this, you will know it. So Tim Sweeney was raised in Potomac, Maryland. And I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, which is about 30 minutes away from our capital, our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. From... Yes. From a very young age, he was interested in taking apart and rebuilding things. It's even rumored that he took apart and reassembled a lawnmower when he was five or six years old. Talk about advanced Lego.
0: That's pretty good.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In the 1970s, as arcade games were becoming all the rage, he became very interested in them. Mostly, though, for taking them apart and reprogramming them. He really didn't have that much care for actually playing them. However, this taking apart and reassembling of arcade games could have stemmed his love for coding.
0: Pretty sure that's what did it.
1: Mm hmm. So, although he had an Atari 2600, he was not too interested in video games at this point in his life. Unless they were adventure-related, he rarely played a game, video game, through to completion. So how does someone who is not huge in video game nerd... (laughs) Cut, restart. So how does somebody who is not a huge video game nerd become the programmer of one of the world's biggest video games? And instrumental video games. Well, this can be attributed to a trip he took to California when he was 11 years old. You see, when Tim was just 11 years old, he visited his brother in California. And his brother, coincidentally, was also quite a genius and was in the middle of starting a company and was lucky enough to have the latest in computer tech at the time. It was the perfect environment for Tim to stumble upon an early IBM personal computer. Now,
0: that's pretty cool.
1: Yes. And it was during this life-changing one week that he taught himself the coding language, BASIC. Jesus. He fell in love with this new and improved PC environment from the start. And very soon, he had his parents buy him. That's in quotations. I think it was mostly for his family, but he had a huge part in convincing them to buy an Apple II PC to replace his... Old eight-bit Commodore 64 computer. Imagine that going from an eight-bit Commodore 64 computer to an Apple II PC. That's a pretty nice that's upgrade, Mister. Yeah, that's good, Mister Sweeney. <laughs> Mister mm-hmm. Sweeney. <laughs> so after this, between the ages of eleven and fifteen, it is estimated that he spent over ten thousand hours learning how to program, and even programmed a PC version of the Atari 2600 game called Adventure 2. At this point, it is fair to say that Tim knew what he wanted to do with the rest of his life, even though he may have not known, but we can look from the outside in and assume that he kind of had a path laid out for him. So later in life, when he became college-aid, he attended the University of Maryland, where he studied mechanical engineering, while still retaining his love for computers.
0: That's crazy.
1: He even was gifted a brand new IBM PC from his dad around this same time. So, he decided to start a computer consulting agency. (laughs) Jesus. However, he wasn't the best computer consultant. And his company kind of fell apart. He ran it out of his garage and he used the name Potomac Computer Systems. To make... so, So, even though his company failed it was at the same time that he also became interested in the idea of creating and selling video games he spent weekends and nights when he wasn't trying to start his consulting agency or working at another job that i could not figure out what it was but they said weekends and nights and some of the source like, material i read
0: maybe it was like a pizza place or something he's delivering pizzas yeah
1: i can just imagine that he delivers pizza all day and then he He goes home and he programs new games. So to make games even better, he created a text editor. So he coded his own text editor, and then he made a game out of it because text editors are boring. So he made a game using text editor that he developed, and he called it ZZT. He beta tested this game with his friends, his his local buddies, and they all really liked it. So this is what led him to start to bring back his viz- business of Potomac computer systems, rename, revitalize it, and start selling games from his garage again. And this time his dad was more than willing to help him package and send those out. At the time, he was selling a few copies a day that probably equaled around $100 US dollars per day.
0: Well, at the time, which is pretty I, good. Yeah, at the time, that was probably a lot of money. I mean, he, was probably, he probably had thick stacks in his wallet. He's kind of yeah, he was
1: rolling the dough. He probably had a lot of ladies at the time, um, but yeah. Any, <laughs> anyways, this is what really pushed him over the top and gave him his passion to become a full-time game developer and game game uh, company. So he started. He renamed the business Epic Mega Games. Sounds familiar. From here. Tim worked to build a team of talented individuals and mentors that would produce games such as Jill of the Jungle and Unreal. Unreal was maybe one of the first first first-person shooting games, which is pretty cool to think of. And he wrote, actually, a computer program that was used in Unreal. It was called Unreal Engine. Just a fun fact there.
0: Oh, my God. Really? (laughs) Unreal (laughs) Engine is, like, serious.
1: Yep. So he he developed that with his team of uh, four individuals. So after this team of four individuals had such, uh, for lack of a better word, unreal success with their game, <laughs> they moved the company to South Carolina and shortened the name to just Epic Games. And this is the company that we all know, and they developed a game known as Fortnite. And this game changed gaming forever. Just how? Well, let's hear about that now.
0: Thank you for that. That's crazy. I did not know that Tim worked on the Unreal Engine, which is like used in like all sorts of video games. So that's pretty yeah, crazy.
1: I was in dis- disbelief as well. Very, very interesting.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you were. Well, you know, t- Tim and his team, and I'm not even sure if Tim still works there, but his team created Fortnite. And this game was absolutely insane. It, it really changed uh, video games, more specifically Battle Royales, honestly, uh, forever, I think. Um, and it's, it-, it was chasing on the coattails of PUBG. And PUBG had just came out about uh, five and a half months earlier in March of 2017. And they mm. actually, yeah, they, they released Fortnite, and it was actually never intended to be a Battle Royale game. In fact, it was just going to be a first-person shooter with building mechanics. Um, the thing is, is that it failed miserably, like no downloads. I mean, it, it, it was getting downloads, but not to the point that they were like, this is a, a successful game. And so mm-hmm. the developers took a shift. Um, They partnered with some really big companies, Um, one of them being Tencent, which is, that makes all of, really, the big uh, mobile games. And they said, how can we make a game that's you know just as good as PUBG? And at the time that they started this project, PUBG really only had, like, a million active users. Like, it really didn't have that many users. And they, they then released at late se- uh, 2017, September 2017, with Fortnite, and it was an instant hit. It was free to play, uh, you didn't have to pay anything, and it was a battle royale. Now, a battle royale, for those people who don't know, is basically a game a lot like Hunger Games. And if you haven't heard about Hunger Games, is essentially where multiple people drop into a battle zone and the last one or team surviving is the winner. And it's very, very fun, highly competitive. But like what was fight to the death. Fight to the death, last person wins. And I think the huge reason for such a success for this game uh, is probably going to be the fact that it was free to play. Um, anyone could play it. Your mom, your grandpa could play it. No one had to pay anything. And this was hugely beneficial to Epic Games because they could then ramp up on microtransactions and get those skins. And, and children started loving this game a lot more than than anything. What's crazy is that, um, you know, this is around 2018 is where this game really – it's about spring of 2018, I remember this specifically, I started playing this game, and I was just enamored by it. It was really fun, incredibly hard, and all my friends were playing it, and this game was growing like no other. And how it it changed, basically, video games forever is that, you know, by the time that the game came out, uh, the game actually was released, PUBG had about five million players by the beginning of 2018 this will give you an idea of how popular uh, uh, fortnite was by the spring 2018 it had almost 50 million active users whoa its growth was insane yeah and in another reason a big reason for its growth is the streamers love this game uh and if anyone knows ninja that's how ninja got started ninja really helped uh you know the fortnite game just skyrocket and, you know, it took a lot of skill and a lot of people liked watching it. Um, you know, and after Fortnite's success, you'll see that other video gamers really started to take a notice. Um, specifically. You mean
1: video game companies? Video,
0: yeah. yeah, video game companies, video game developers, businesses that are really wanting to know, wanting to get a piece of this pie that by this time, you know, Fortnite was already dominating. So, right. you know, developers like Activision who who published Call of Duty games, they were in the midst of, of making black ops four and um when this whole thing with with fortnite came out they had to shift their gears drastically in fact they had they were going to be about a year later they introduced black ops four four months before they released the game they decided to get rid of their campaign and replace it with their version of a battle royale so oh yeah and what you got on on october release of of black ops 4 was uh, it was called uh, blackout and none of us remember blackout like it existed it was a battle royale for call of duty activision published it it was honestly kind of good the thing that that was crazy is that at the time that they actually published this game fortnite already had 280 active 280 million active users whoa to give you some wow. perspective, that's more than Mexico and Russia's total population put together. So, wow. yeah, they had an- that's <laughs> epic. <laughs> epic, <laughs> good one. Uh, and so, I think that the main reason that that Black Up Four, you know, Black Ops Four Blackout failed was basically because um, it took them four months to make. In that it was not free to play. You had to buy Black Ops, which was a forty dollar game at the time, to actually play Battle Royale. People aren't gonna buy that. Oh, exactly. Right. They're not you know, you're not gonna buy forty dollars for one section of a game. I know I'm not gonna pay seventy dollars right now for that. So mm-hmm. that was crazy. And so Battlefield Five comes out with their firestorm one month after Black Ops four. And it completely failed for the exact same reason. And so,
1: because you had to buy the game. You
0: had to buy the game. And so, here we had now Fortnite is still gaining so much traction, and there's no competition. And I think that's mostly because, you know, PUBG, but mostly Fortnite, they found the secret sauce. And Mm. that, that secret sauce was the free to play. And then also interactive weekly events and weapon editions. So what really kept people coming back is that they could win skins. They could buy skins. There's new guns every week. There was new challenges. And streamers were pushing this this content every single day. And people loved that. And so no one really had a following uh, that that Fortnite Mm. had. So now two years later – Okay, so we're, we're outside of 2017. Finally, we start to get some competition to Fortnite, uh, and Apex Legends was introduced. And we talked about Apex before, but we es- have, yeah. essentially with Apex Legends is that it, it was also wildly successful, but nowhere near the, the, the success that Fortnite has. I mean, as of right now, they only have 13 to 15 million active users, and it's considered a very popular game. Um, yeah,
1: compared to two hundred and eighty, that's really not that many users.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you have to understand that that was two hundred and eighty in two thousand eighteen. I'll get you their current their current date in a little bit. uh You okay. know the main reason that Apex Legends was really successful again too is that they took notice of Fortnite's secret sauce, and they decided to build on it. And what they did is they added character development, a distinct storyline for each character, and they gave each player you know upgrades and stuff like that.
1: Was it free to play?
0: And it was free to play.
1: Uh uh-huh. so that, that was the big thing. That
0: is, that is huge. And so what's crazy is the game that I talk about the most and I love the most is, is Warzone. And Warzone really wasn't introduced until two years after their failure with Black Ops, which was mm. in March of 2020. Uh, and it was hugely successful, it had the microtransactions, was free to play. And, and it was just all around what we get in terms of a game. And it's the second most played game now. Uh, it's got about 100 million active users as of today. Still, you would think that, at least in my perspective, Fortnite's kind of died down. No, sir. Yeah. No, sir. Rainer. That's what I thought. 350 million active users as of today.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's more than Russia, more than Mexico. and then throwing, <laughs> Like maybe Brazil in there. I don't know. That's amazing,
0: but that is my uh, hypothesis uh, as in how t- uh, Tim Tim Sweeney created a Tim com- Sweeney Tim Tim Sweeney is that it Sweeney mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he created this amazing company with a lot of of individuals that created a game that blew all other video games out of the water and and created an infrastructure for all the other video games I would say battle royale games that we have now
1: so what what do you think about Um, the fact that Fortnite did implement, I don't know if this was at the release, but at some point they implemented building similar to one of the most successful video games slash PC games of all time, uh, Minecraft. Do you think that had anything to do with it when you're, when you think about why it was so successful?
0: Yeah, I think you're right because there was an interview that they did with the developers and they asked, Hey, was, was Minecraft like a main reason that you introduced the building portion and and they're like yeah i mean it definitely draws some similarities but they didn't outright say hey it was because of minecraft interestingly and then you're looking at some uh, lawsuits there well well, i can in a way understand that but interestingly enough that uh epic games actually released released a update to fortnite fortnite and it's called creative and so you can actually go in and create entire worlds uh and 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 play with your friends yeah
1: that's cool. That is really – that's definitely very similar to the Minecraft kind of feel where it's like you can just – you know, when you were younger, you just sat in a room and you built stuff with Legos. I feel like Minecraft and this type of format is very similar to digital Legos. I've always thought that. It's just kind of – A digital that's Lego. That's how I explain those games. Yeah. yeah. No, digi- perfect. it's perfect. It's digital Legos, you know. Um, but my last kind of question here is um, – How do you, do you feel like uh, Black Ops or whoever, Activision, hack as we called them in earlier episodes, do you think they are missing out on not having the building aspect? And do you think they could ever implement that? Do you have any ideas on how they could implement the building aspects into their gameplay or if it would even be successful?
0: I think that that, you know, Personally, that they absolutely could add some sort of building aspect if they really wanted to. The thing is, is they would never do that because of their player base. Their player base left Fortnite because of the building. You know.
1: Oh, because it got so. Uh, some people were just too good at it and used it for exactly. Too much of an well, advantage.
0: I don't want to say this because I never felt this way, but a lot of people who did the cross-platform play on Fortnite definitely mm-hmm. stated that PC players with a keyboard had a distinct advantage to quickly build over a console. And so because you can tap a key and it can quick build like a structure really fast, whereas you have bumpers on a controller, it's a little harder. Mm-hmm. And so what you get with on, on, on Warzone is that you get that competitiveness that even if you are on PC and console, like you're still very well-versed. You can still kind of play each other and you don't have a distinct advantage. Now that's debatable. You can go down a whole right. rabbit hole of whether or not PC players in cross platform have an advantage over console players, and and there's a huge debate there. Which honestly, I'm not willing to to go in today. But I definitely to answer your question, sure. I definitely think there's a possibility. I don't think it would ever actually come to fruition for sure.
1: Right. I think it would be interesting to see that and to start your debate off i'm going to say that i remember playing with you and ace over christmas break and this was interesting because every time a pc player came up i heard you and ace say oh he's on a computer he's on a pc <laughs> so just i just wanted to throw that out there to our listeners the debate is already started so uh, <laughs> it, it's there and it's started
0: i mean it's it's so true though as some aspect is that you know it's a lot easier to, to kind of use your mouse to point instead of using um, console. But then you get into the debate, oh, well, console players have uh, aim assist and PC players don't. And so that's kind of what right. you kind that of that kind down. of
1: levels the playing field. Yeah, no pun intended. for sure. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very, very good points. I think what I took away from this is that uh, Epic's ability to changed the way they sold their video game rather than selling it as you buy the game, then you get the gameplay they sold. Mm -hmm. You get the game for free, then you buy the the upgrades, not only because they're going to make you a better player, but mainly just because it's a status symbol to have a nice looking character in the game. You know, you want that chick with the nice skin type pants maybe or you want that chick <laughs> with the, the hair color that rocks you know that's that's kind of how the game was for a long time i think it still is i don't think the skins give you abilities do they no I mean,
0: no so that's that's what i thought it's it, like you said it's a status symbol it's like you know a lot of times we see this even in Warzone. like oh look at this really cool skin i got and you know how i got that skin because i got the battle pass and everyone's like, "Oh wow. man, I gotta get that skin too. I gotta get the battle pass." Which, like I said, it's all part of the secret sauce. Okay, right. um, so and and that's kind of what creates these uber popular video games now is the fact that they always have that 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 battle pass function or that microtransaction that kind of gives you a little bit of lift up to the people you're playing against, and it creates fun little competitions. And and video games love friendly competitions between people because that means they're spending money.
1: Right. They, you know what Epic did? They played off of the, the old peacocking analogy of oh, yeah. the brighter you are, the more colorful you are, the more money you have, the better dressed you are, the more money you have, the better you are at what you do. And they kind of knew that, you know, OK, I have this skin that cost me five dollars. I am better than you. I was able to get enough points to buy this. I was able to unlock this skin and buy it. I am the best. Not only did I do all this work to unlock this skin, but I also paid $5 for it. That's how good I am at this game.
0: You know, I mean, I think, it's ridiculous when you think about it. I think it's a, it's a brainchild behind Tim, right? He created the Unreal. He helped create the Unreal Engine. He helped create this this system, whereas he he he's got to be getting fat stacks by now.
1: Oh, he's getting stacks. You're right. He's getting a lot of money. I don't know if the company sold from him now or he sold the company. I I didn't do that much research into it, but um, overall, great discussion, and I think that um, this has been a good interaction and learning experience for me of how this game shook up the gaming arena for years to come, if not for, for forever.
0: I totally agree. And I think this is a great time to reintroduce uh, romcom.com boy and just kind of say, hey, guys, thank you so much for joining. We appreciate you coming in to us every time we have an episode. And, and thanks for listening and being with us as we change up our podcast, as we go through our journey, because ultimately we want to make a quality project, product that we're very proud of.
1: I agree. Thanks, guys. See you next week.